To Ephesians chapter 6, last chapter there. I'm going to read four verses. <clears throat> First four verses of chapter 6 of, of Ephesians. This <clears throat> being the word of God <clears throat> and not merely the word of man. Let us pay close attention to it. It means so much to those who believe. Here now from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, the last chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou may live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May God bless his word to us. Again, Lord, we are thankful to be here. We are thankful for this supper, which is to sup upon your word, heard through the reading of it and through the preaching of it. Uh, expand our minds and our hearts by it. For this we ask in the wonderful name of thy dear Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the question that was asked in the Heidelberg Catechism, what attitude and behavior does God require for those who are under the rule of others? The positive requirement. And the answer the Heidelberg gives to that uh, question concerning the fifth commandment is that I, sh I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, and all in authority over me, and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand. Uh, from which uh, Reverend uh, Barnhill of the uh, Protestant Church, Protestant Reformed Church, uh, came up with the, <coughs> the acronym SHOP, which uh, comes from the catechism, not exactly in that order, but if you remember what the catechism's answer to the question, uh, was or is that the attitude behavior 
What attitude and behavior does God require for those who are under the rule of others? And the answer is that I show all honor. That's the H of shop. So that comes first in the catechism. Uh, love and fidelity to my father and mother and all author in authority over me. And submit, there's the S uh, of the shop, myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, there's the O, uh, and uh, also patient, uh, patiently bear up uh, in their weaknesses and infirmities. So we, that's what we want to see. So I'm going to speak to the family, about the family, not just to mothers. Uh, of course, they're greatly important. It's through them that we are, we come. But also to fathers and also to sons and daughters. Now, for those sons and daughters, those children that are older, you ought to pay attention to this. Hopefully, your parents instructed you well. So when I speak to you about shop, that is uh, submission and uh, <clears throat> honor and obedience and... Uh, <clears throat> and patience. Be patient with me. When I speak to you of those things, you'll just add on to your already knowledge, your wholesome knowledge of submission, uh, honor, obedience, and patience. Now, to begin with, I want to start with submission. Now, that ha is a bad word in today's culture, right? Uh, wives, submit to your husband in all things. What? Children, submit to your parents in all things. No exception. <clears throat> Why should I submit to anyone Aren't we all equals? Haven't we learned that? Well, when you speak ontologically, yes. But we're not speaking ontologically. Paul is not speaking ontologically in Ephesians chapter 6 when he's giving this advice. He's speaking anthropomorphically. He's speaking man to man. He's speaking socially, if you will. Not all languages to be interpreted in the same context. It depends on the context we're in. And so we're not in ontology here, being. We're into man's relationship to man, woman's relationship to woman, and so on. And so submission is not a bad word coming from God to us. Now the first thing we know about, so we should note about submission, is that all of us are called to, sub to submit. Because the word submit, as used in the Bible, simply means to place oneself below someone who is in authority. Submit to someone who is above you or over you. 
That's what the word submit is referring to. Someone is placed above you or over you, and you are to submit to that someone who is over you. Not in terms of being ontology, but in terms of relation, in terms of authority in a functioning and orderly society. There are people that hold a variety of different positions and we got to recognize those positions and relate to them accordingly. God gives us instructions how properly to relate to people, whether they're believers or not, in a society, an orderly society, an institution that he has set up, society is set up, government, he has set up, it's God's institution, and this is how you are to behave, you are to think. And actually, when we talk about submission, we are talking about a matter of the heart. We are talking about an attitude, not a behavior. The flip side of submission, the behavioral side of submission, the uh, <clears throat> heart is, sub is, is, is to submit. The behavior is to obey. So you can't have one without the other. If you don't have submission, you really don't have obedience. And if you don't have obedience, you really don't have submission. So the two go together, but we're speaking about submission, and that is a matter of the heart. Remember, God looks upon the heart. We look on the outward circumstance, but God looks upon the inner circumstance, the condition of the heart. Another way of saying this, another word for it would be attitude. What man, what woman is your attitude? What's your attitude in this matter? We all are called to submit to God who is over us. All of us are called to that. But then in the various relationships we have, there is also a call to submit. And it's a beautiful thing. It's an orderly thing. It's a wonderful thing. In fact, just as I, I point this out in, uh, in weddings uh, to people, whether it's in counseling or sometimes it's, uh, it's to the congregation that, uh, that meets for the wedding, uh, that the man is called to love. And of course, love is the great commandment. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot relate to God if you do not love him. And the man is called to display that love towards his wife as Christ loved the church, right? Christ loved the church. He gave himself for the church. And the man is to love his wife and give himself for his wife. The wife is called to submission. She's, that's her calling, to submit to her husband. For without submission, without humility, there is no possibility of salvation. One must submit. One must humble himself or herself in order to be saved. She is called to uh, present, to exemplify 
salvation. What salvation looks like in a human being, in this case, in a marriage. You are the representative of salvation. He is the representative of the love of God and Christ towards us. Perfect match. We love God. We submit to him. There's a relationship. That's the mystery of marriage. <clears throat> that marriage is supposed to picture. Unfortunately, it doesn't. In fact, that's the problem even here. I'm asking young people who can understand what I'm saying, not the very young parents, mothers and fathers, you are responsible to teach your children well what this is, this submission is by example, by word and by example, by emphasis and then by, by action. But young people, uh, ask yourself at this point in your life, you know this already, you've heard about this already, you have parents that have taught you this, and teachers, and pastors, and office bearers, all those who have been in authority over you have taught you the same lesson. Submission. Are you willing to submit from your heart to those who are in positions over you? Even people that are going uh, to high school age and college age are you willing to submit? Now, submission's a little different because the relationship has changed a little bit, but there still is that call for youngsters to submit to their mothers and their fathers, not only to their mothers and fathers, but to their teachers and to their office bearers in their church and to their pastors and to, are you from your heart? Check your heart out because this is a heart matter. Am I willing to submit to those who are in authority over me. And you know what the answer is oftentimes? Well, depends. And the reason why we say that, and we all must confess, is because look, this is not a perfect place and these people you're asking me to submit to are not perfect, they, you know? Yeah, I know. Do you know? We're not living in a perfect world. So that's the first rub. That's the first friction, if you will, in this message. That we are clearly called to submit. That young people are called to submit to those who are their elders. Uh, their parents, first of all, it should be a lesson in the home. Submission should be a lesson in the home. Uh, because, you, again, parents, we are not so concerned about our sons and daughters, their behavior, as much as we're all, we are their heart. If their heart's in the right place, their behavior will follow. You have to get it into the heart, right? Of course, only God can do that ultimately, but it has to get into the heart. Or else there's going to be trouble, there's going to be 
friction. And I don't have to inform you about all the trouble and friction there is in society today, do I? Including in home, included our homes, where there's a lot of trouble. In schools today, there's a lot of trouble. There's a trouble in government with high officials in government because of corruption and stuff like that. There's trouble all over the place. Lack of submission to God first and to each other in their proper roles is part of the problem. Not the, it's not the only problem by any means, but it's part of the problem. Think about it. So get your heart right with God. And beware of that, that temptation to say, to think, yeah, but these people don't deserve it because they are whatever. Yes, you're right. They don't. But they're not telling you to do this. God is. But especially young people. And I don't care how old you are, if you're not married, Submit to your mother and your father. The next thing is honor. You know, the next letter of the acronym SHOP. Submission is S-H, honor. Honor. What is honor? Well, the Greek word used for honor, honor, in Ephesians, in Colossians, and other places. <clears throat> Honor your father and mother. First commandment with the Honor. Honor means heavy. Literally, it means heavy. It means weighty. That's what honor means in the Greek here. Anyway, it means this person there's a, there's a heaviness about the person. There's a weightiness about the person. And in this case, you consider what that person has to say to you. There's a weightiness in the words that that person has. You are to honor that person. Because that person, when they speak, when he or she speaks, carries weight. Think of it this way. You're in a court of law. And the judge comes walking in. And the court is brought to attention with the words, All rise. The Honorable Peter J. Pogliati is presiding. <coughs> and he gets to the seat and he sits down and everybody else sits after him. He is called when the court addresses the bench where the judge is, he is called your honor. Why is he called your honor? Why is he addressed that way? Well, that's, that's, that's in order to function well in a court of law, it has to be that way. This person is placed in charge of the whole scene. He is going to be a judge among them. He is going to judge whether a person is innocent or guilty. In other words, his decision, his words carry weight. They are heavy with 
judgment when they're against the person or they're, uh, they're waiting for the person as he listens to the judgment of the judge. He's called your honor. You are to honor him because he's making a judgment, sort of life and death uh, matters are before him and he is meeting out justice. That makes it weighty for him and for everybody involved. That's the idea here beside, be, behind honor. When you're honoring your parents, their words to you, their mere mentions, their sounds are weighty to you. They have meaning. They carry message and purpose and judgments and everything. And so we are to honor our mothers and our fathers as youngsters, no matter what age, really. Even if you are married, you still should honor your own parents. Again, the relationship changes between a child and an adolescent and an adult and their parents. But there's always submission involved, there's always honor involved. That never stops, that never changes. <clears throat> But here, too, we have a problem. Again, it's a matter of your heart. You need to check yourself, your, your heart out here. Every one of us does. And I'm speaking particularly to, uh, to, young, to the younger among us who can understand my words. Uh, little babies, again, parents. You need to teach them this stuff so that when they get old, they don't depart from it. But now you're old enough. You're in junior high, you're in high school, you're in college, you have a career, whatever it may be. You can understand this quite well and quite readily. And here comes mother, and she is a pest at home. You never see that in public She's such a sweetheart, but at home, she's a pest. Is that your attitude? I know it's been my attitude in the past. I know my children have had that attitude about her mother, not about their dad. <laughs> other, they have other things about that that, believe me, they're not good. But mom's a pest. And so what do you do in the past? You know, get away, or you, you run away, or you hide away, or whatever away, right? Although sometimes I've had that feeling as a pastor because I've been walking down the aisle in the store like a Walmart, and some people see me and they go the other way, or they go to the other aisle because they notice I'm there. And uh, so I, I, I know the feeling uh, when the children, uh, youngsters, uh, teenagers, young adults treat their parents and may perhaps even their mother with disrespect by treating her with pests. Not, it's certainly not honoring, right? And all of us are guilty of it. All of us are guilty. Because let's face it, forgive me, she is a pest. I mean, sometimes she is a pest. Sometimes the father is a troubler in the house. I mean, that happens. It happens a lot. 
with you, all your families, I hope it's just on occasion and less and less as you get older. But it does happen in all families. Uh, mother becomes uh, annoying, father becomes arrogant and nasty, whatever it is. And uh, there's tension there. Once again, we're not living in a perfect place, are we? And these, we are not dealing with perfect parents or perfect elders or a perfect pastor or perfect teachers. It's weird. It just gets weird sometimes. We don't know how to handle it. That's the heart of the matter. Now we come to the behavior, the reaction from the heart, a heart that is stayed with, uh, upon submission and honoring. I hear you, God, and I'm doing it. Well, how be it? Not perfect. Not perfectly. Right? But now we come to the act. Obedience. And obedience is not about, it's reflecting an attitude. If it's in harmony, it's reflecting an attitude of submission and honor. When the parent speaks, mom speaks, dad speaks, the office bearer in the church speaks, the pastor speaks, the teacher speaks, you get the message, you get the point. Uh, I listen. I'm listening and I'm willing and ready to obey. What's the idea behind obedience here? The idea behind obedience is instantaneous reaction, immediate reaction. Think of the military. Think of the commander in charge. He gives a, a letter to, to uh, Private Peter and uh, he says, I want you to deliver this to the command, the commander Benson in charge of uh, uh, Troop 407. And I want you to do this immediately. And Private Peter says, well, look, I have some pressing matters right now. Can you talk to me later? Can you imagine a military like that? It's getting that way, by the way, but that's not the point. The point is you can't imagine a private, like Private Peter, responding to the commander to take this message to another commander on the field, uh, to the troop, and obviously important matter. And he says, uh, he puts him off. He says, not right now. Can you imagine? Uh, is there any demotion lower than private? Yeah, prison. You know, that would, and, and everybody would understand that. Everybody would agree. So insubordination like that demands some sort of prison or kick them out or whatever it might be. Some sort of uh, reaction that way. But this is the idea behind obedience. When your mother or your father and so on, who are in authority over you, tell you to do something, the, the right response is immediate. You know? Once commanded, once fulfilled. That's the matter here. That's what obedience looks like. <clears throat> but what do we have amongst us? We have people who are told to do something by their mom, by their dad, 
or by their teacher or whatever, and they're not even listening. They're not even hearing it. What'd you say? Excuse me, and you, you, you're, you're not like me. You can hear. But all of a sudden, you can hear. You know, my family does that to me often. I know they can hear, but somehow they don't. And that's true of us all, right? We are not listening. When mother speaks, when father speaks, especially when mother and father speak, you young people are to listen. You are to listen to them. And if there's a response needed, you do it immediately. You may ask a question or two, if you're not unclear or whatever, but your, your attitude is, your heart is, I am willing to submit. I'm wanting to honor my parents, my teachers, and so on. And I will respond in kind. I will respond with the utmost respect. In other words, immediately. You don't have to ask me or tell me twice. That's the idea behind uh, the obedience that the catechism is talking about and that the scripture is, uh, is referring to when he, when he says, for example here, that children obey your parents in the Lord as if the Lord was speaking to you through them. That's, again, if you're, Attitude is bad. Submission is not there completely. Honor, you have a hard time with honoring. Every word has to be weighed and all. You're going to have a hard time with obedience as well. And uh, you're not going to respond in kind. But again, again, we're not living in a perfect place. The minister in the church is weird. The elders think more highly of themselves than they ought. They're always belching out commands. And, 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 you know, they think their opinion is God's opinion. In fact, sometimes, you know, it is. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the teacher I have, uh, and uh, I don't want to talk about teachers these days too much, but there are good teachers. They are very good teachers and deserve the respect from all their students. And they, they usually get it because they, they're knowledgeable and they're trustworthy. And the parents are checking them out, say they're good and stuff like that. And then there are parents too, but, uh, but there are some teachers that are nasty and not right. And there's some parents that are pesty and arrogant and all that stuff. And so it's hard to obey these people that are so imperfect. So now we come to this idea of patience, because now we want to solve this problem, because I've made mention three times, and under each point, submission, honor, and obedience, that we're not living in a perfect place, a perfect world. Things are messed up. And so that adds to the confusion. The last point is that uh, the point of patience, that we are to endure with patience those who are in authority over us regarding their weaknesses and their iniquities and their 
inadequacies and so on, their infirmities and so on and so forth. Why do we need to regard this? Like, why do we need to exercise patience in their, uh, with people that are in authority over us, especially our parents, and regard their, their weaknesses and infirmities? Why should I have to do that? Why should you have to do that? Because you have weaknesses and infirmities too. And you see, here's again the friction problem, the, the, where the sparks meet. Not only do your parents and teachers, etc., have problems, have weaknesses and infirmities, let's say in a word, have sins all over the place, and some of them are very obvious and evident, even to the youngest among us. But the youngest among us, as well as those who are a little older, you too have sins. You too have weaknesses and infirmities and inadequacies and hang-ups and whatever you want to call it. You too have sins. And so now you have all these sinners hitting up, hitting one another. You know, like bumper cars, just hitting one another and going off and going off constantly. Because we all have sin. So you might say, we're not living in a perfect place and these people that God has put over me in authority are not perfect and they're full of sin, but so are you, young person. Young person with a mother and a father and a teacher and a pastor and all that. You too are a sinner. So what are you going to do about it? The answer is not to say, well, they're bigger sinner. That's a bigger sinner. I'm a smaller sinner. These are big sinners telling little sinners what to do. Now that's not the issue because I'm little. I don't have to do this. They're more responsible. That's not the answer. What's the answer? How do we work this out? How do we get this shop at home and in our lives? Well, since you're going to have to deal with the world the way it is, it's imperfect, and you're going to have to deal with people that are imperfect, especially your parents, up close and personal like they are, and they're never going to leave you alone, I can tell you that right now. If they're good parents, they're never going to leave you alone. So what do we do with that? The answer is twofold. The first answer I'll give you the, in, a, in a broad way, and that is prayer. You need to pray. Not only for them, and you really need to speak to God in this matter, be specific about my mom, about my dad, about my teacher, about my pastor. There's something I've noticed, Lord, and, I, and I'm going to pray about that, whatever it might be. And I don't want to get into specifics because I might, I might reveal too much about myself. But it, 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 you know what I mean. You need to pray specifically about this person. At the same time, or maybe even before that, but certainly sometime in the prayer, you need to pray for yourself. You, you need to uh, bring yourself, expose yourself before the Lord and lay it on the line. Lord, I have a nasty mouth. I react poorly towards my mother, but not so much towards my father. Why do I do? There's something the matter there. And I need to repent of my own sin. So prayer is the first way 
in a, in a general sense <coughs> that we need to go in order to get this shop in our homes, if you will. And the second thing that uh, I want to say that's been pointed out by others already is that you need to go to the Savior. Think on the Lord Jesus Christ. Read about him. And one thing we notice about Jesus is that he was obedient in two major ways. He was obedient first and foremost to his Father in heaven. Everything was not my will, but thy will be done. Glory be to the Father. I, do, I don't live for myself. I no longer live for myself. I live for the Father. That's the first thing that Jesus did. And we're to follow that example. We're not perfect, but we are to in, instill in our mind that we are to look to Jesus and we are to follow what he did and what he did. And that's the first thing. And the second thing about Jesus is that he honored his parents. He never rebelled against his parents. There's nowhere in the scripture where you read that Jesus was disobedient or disrespectful or anything. In fact, it's almost completely silent. The one time when we, it talks about him, uh, his parents are going from, the, uh, <clears throat> from Jerusalem. They're heading back home after the feast and all that. And they realize a day or more into their journey that their son Jesus is not with them. He's back in Jerusalem. So they rush back there and they find him in the temple with the doctors. And, and, they have, and the, uh, his parents say, his mother says, well, why did you, have you done this to us? And he says, have you not known that I'm here about my father's business? That wasn't a sinful answer. That was a very respectful answer regarding the fact that they would not, what, did not, they, they did not yet realize completely what his mission ministry was. But when he said that, they realized something. That there's something much more important that he's about than what we're about. And so there was no argument there. He simply dismissed himself from the temple, and went off with his parents. That's, that's really one of the few, if any, insights we get into the relationship between Jesus and his parents. It was always full of respect, always full of wisdom, always full of honor and submission. He submitted to his parents, Scripture tells us, and he went with them. So those two things are how we deal with with this, how we, how we implement that, how we put the shop at home. Pray. Pray for the person that is set in authority over you. Pray. And also look to Jesus. Look to how he lived his life. He submitted in all ways to the Father, and he also respected and honors his parents who were, compared to him, very much imperfect. <clears throat> One other thing, dear people, before we are dismissed, and that is that the world is just calling us in the opposite. Instead of shop, that's an acronym. Uh, this is not an acronym. They're just calling you to riot. Isn't that true? If you turn on the news these days, you hear a lot about riot. 
about rebellion, about opposition, about protest, about hate, about despite, about dishonoring and not obeying and all this other stuff. So if you want an example of what not to do and how not to be and what not to say and how not to act, then yeah, just turn on the news or even shows, even shows that are on television, uh, whatever they're calling them now, and watch the characters and watch how they react to one another and how they, they react to uh, people in authority and all that stuff. And you will learn, for the most part, not all of these people, not all of these shows are bad, but for the most part, you'll learn what not to say and what not to do. And that may be of help as well. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, young people, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, the only way we can do this is by grace. Ask God for grace and more grace to submit to honor, to obey, and to be patient with all, especially those who are in authority over us. Now let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we are thankful for your word. Your word is truth. It teaches us so very much. It teaches us the right way to be, the right, the right way to think, the right way to act. And it's, it's just wonderful uh, to... Uh, to imbibe it, uh, to, to sup upon it. Uh, we are praying as a congregation of your precious people that each and every one of us to take to heart what you have said and taught us today from your word and that we would walk in a better way, the way, the narrow way, the path of righteousness that leads heavenward in Christ Jesus. For it's in his precious name we pray all these things. Amen. Let's in closing sing hymn number 373, 373.